Hello, and welcome to Flashes of DEI, a podcast where we explore topics and ideas related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. My name is Katie Batice. I use they, them, their pronouns, and I serve as a director in DEI. Hi, I'm Stavros Atsis. I go by he, him pronouns, and I'm the senior program manager for equity assessment in DEI. And for this episode, we wanted to explore some of the basics around basic needs. Uh, This is an emerging focus across campuses and one that we here at Kent State have been paying attention to. Joining us are two of the people who are involved in the work of addressing issues around basic needs. And I'm wondering if our caring colleagues would mind introducing themselves to our listeners. Hi, my name is Sydney Jordan, she, her pronouns, and I'm the assistant director in the care center. Hi, my name is Amanda Woodyard. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the director of community engaged learning at Kent State. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us here today. I'm very excited to talk about this. So would you be able to explain what we mean when we say basic needs for those of us who are unfamiliar with the term? That term can vary a little bit depending on what organization you're talking with. And so Speaking from the perspective in the care center, when we speak about basic needs for students, we're specifically talking about the items that students need in order to thrive as a healthy human. Um, And so that for us is housing security, food security, access to mental well-being resources, and also um, financial empowerment. Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so glad that you used the word thrive, because a lot of times I feel like when we hear about basic needs, it's really just connected to like, what are those items that you need to like live and survive? But we also in community engaged learning like to think of it more holistically of like, what do you really need in order to thrive and be your best self? Like you said, Mm -hmm. you know, those commodities that are tied to, you know, housing and food and, and clothing and those items. And then also um, physical and mental health resources as well. The term is basic needs, but recognizing that basic is broad and kind of mm-hmm. all encompassing. Our next question. So I know um, community engaged learning has been around for a bit and care center is relatively new. Uh, and so what what would issues around food or housing or mental or physical health look like? What do you see kind of coming in? Well, I can start with that one. Um, Community Engaged Learning has hosted a food security program here at the university for about 11 years now. Um, It was the Campus Kitchen, and now it's Flashes Fighting Hunger. Um, And, you know, it was started by students who recognized that they were hearing about and seeing their fellow peers um, experiencing food insecurity. So talking about things like, you know, I don't have enough money to um, buy groceries or my meal plan ran out and, you know, we still have a month left in the semester. I don't know what I'm going to do for my food resources. So they started a student organization and, you know, have been really running it ever since. But, you know, for us in the food security realm can look really different and like having that basic need met. So it can be literally not having food, you know, opening your cupboard or your refrigerator and there not being options available. It can also be in what I tend to see a little bit more um, with some of our college students is that they don't really have a lot of access 
to healthy food options. Mm. So, you know, feeling like, well, I can afford some ramen or, you know, I know um, like my instructor, like she'll give us pop tarts to kind of tide us over, Mm. but you know, they're not really getting like their daily, you know, dietary intake that is optimal for them to be um, just like their, their best selves and, or they don't feel like they have the access to kind of the, the kitchen or cooking equipment needed to really prepare like the food and the meals that you know, they were used to having. Mm-hmm. And of course, like there's a spectrum of like not having uh, your basic food um, needs met where, you know, you can be maybe eating less or just trying to stretch your meals or your groceries versus like a dire situation where, you you know, some students are just in crises and are like, I, I just don't have anything. Mm-hmm. No. So, so it varies, but then for other basic needs, um, kind of requests, we, we tend to send them over to Sydney and the care center. <laughs> yeah. So something I'll add to what Amanda was sharing about the food security that we see, um, before I talk about the other basic needs that we serve is the reasons that students might be skipping meals and Amanda had touched on, they're stretching the food that they have access to. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe skipping meals in order to pay utility bills or rent or buy books or tuition. Mm -hmm. Um, And so trying to navigate Mm -hmm. what that looks like for their finances, which leads us into kind of that financial empowerment. Um, And we know that you can't budget what you don't have. So sometimes the money just isn't there. So how do we help students um, make sure they have access to those resources that can help them create a more stable financial foundation for themselves. So we do see students also coming in with, you know, I can't afford to buy personal care items or laundry soap um, and things like that. So some of those things we also keep in the pantry. Um, when we're thinking about kind of that financial basic need, having some type of financial emergency, they had enough money budgeted maybe for the semester but then they had a medical emergency or they got a flat tire. And so Mm. this has shifted where their funds are now being going because they've had it like specifically budgeted. Um, Students who are coming in and CAPS is an amazing resource and has impact solutions for students who can't afford um, mental health care. Maybe they don't have insurance. So it's helping them get connected um, with Medicaid. And then also, um, you know, with impact solutions, they have the six free sessions because of different reasons why financially that might be um, a hardship for them. Mm-hmm. Being able to pay rent, right? And, mm-hmm. and have your utilities on, especially we live in Kent, it's cold in the winter. And so making sure that they're connected with resources in the community um, and sometimes resources from us to make sure that they have heat on and electric. And um, if they're facing eviction, how do they get connected with student legal and different resources like that? So those are primarily the the needs that we see coming in um, when we're talking about the areas that we serve. Yeah. Something I'm like um, seeing a lot too right now, um, especially as Kent State really works to become more of an access institution, is that a lot of our students are also, um, you know, having family that they Hmm. need to take care of. Um, So for example, um, our office has a living learning community and the majority of our students are, you know, traditionally underserved populations and 
so many of them, you know, just speak about like how they also have to work a job to send money, you know, back to their family or to help like pay for medical bills for a parent or a sibling. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I think it's just really important to just recognize that, you know, Kent State has a lot of, you know, working class students. Um, I looked into it a little bit for some research I was doing, and it was over 30% of our students that were incoming for the fall 2022 um, semester that were high need. And so, you know, you just thinking about like the family dynamics and the situation, um, often precarious that students, you know, are, are entering into the university, like already carrying with mm-hmm. them. And that's just not wiped away because they're here at Kent state. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's so dynamic. It's really a student to student, how it looks. Yeah. And Amanda, something that you said kind of sparked something for me is when we're also in our center, what we're seeing with some of that housing um, security need is when students are coming, um, potentially campus is their home. And so during breaks, they might not feel like they have a safe place to go. Mm -hmm. And so supporting students and navigating that or students who have a place to go, but it's not a consistent, stable place. It can't be their permanent address. So maybe they're staying a week with this friend and a week with that friend. And so thinking about that family piece has been a really big for us of like, how does that impact the overall experience of students who may be coming um, instead of saying that they're insecure in these things, but under-resourced. And so how do we as a university acknowledge that and then work to help provide those solutions so they can be successful and reaching the goals that they have for why they're here. Absolutely. And I think you both raised excellent points about how varied the needs are for mm-hmm. different student populations and how that's evolved over time and how we're talking not just access for basic needs, but access of quality quality services. Um, so that leads into our, our next question. So how do basic need insecurities fit into the broader conversation around equity? So I have a quote that I want to share with all of you, and it is from the 2030 Boyer Commission report that I would recommend you all check out. Um, The report was released in 2022 and really speaks to the immediate future of higher education. Mm -hmm. And so there's a short and sweet quote that says, mere access without excellence is unfulfilled promise. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can give an opportunity. And, you know, we often think about access in terms of like admission and, you know, giving that initial like thumbs up, Mm -hmm. you know, you you know, welcome to a place or a program or whatever it may be. But I mean, it's really about having the resources and the systems in place to um, support in our case students you know, to fulfill their ultimate goal, which is obviously a degree with us here at Kent State. And so I just think when I when I think about basic needs and, and equity, you know, it's um, it goes back to that point about like, how do we help students thrive? Hmm. And that 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 stress and the burden that can be put on individuals when they don't have their basic needs met automatically is situating them um, 
in a place where they have to like work even harder or Mm -hmm. carry this extra weight and the impact of like financial instability and not having basic needs met can manifest in so many ways, you know, from physical and mental, you know, health um, issues, cognitive performance, like Mm -hmm. how somebody performs within the classroom setting. I think that's beautiful, Amanda. That's like perfect. And we have a lot of those conversations in our office when we're talking. And sometimes it's like, you know, education is this vehicle for you to do the things that you need to do in order to better yourself and better your life. And that's kind of the the, the narrative that people are given. And so sometimes it feels like with access, when you just give someone access, it's like, I'm going to give you a car. Yay. But I'm not going to give you the key right? Mm. Or I'm not going to give you the gas, or I'm not going to put the tires on that car. And so you have this thing, but in order for it to carry you to where you need to be, those additional resources are missing. And so when we're thinking about equity, kind of thinking about, yeah, some students absolutely are going to come and they already have their car set, it's gassed, Mm. it's tires are good, and they have the keys and they're going. And if we're being an access university, right? Like Amita said, there are 30% of our incoming students, they might have that car, but some things are going to be missing. So how do we, as a university, as a community, circle around them to make sure they have the needs that that are just kind of, again, the basic ones, to help them use that vehicle and the way it was designed to alleviate some of that stress that can turn into mental health challenges Mm -hmm. that can turn into issues in the academic setting that can turn into conflicts with their roommates that create challenges for them just being able to get to a job that they're trying to use to pay their bills. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's so many facets of that and it's not just their issue. It's a community, right? Flashes Mm -hmm. take care of flashes is kind of our thing. And so Mm -hmm. thinking about how we're doing things equitably is so important. Yeah. You said that so well, Sydney. Often, you know, when we think about students not staying or not, you know, persisting and graduating, you know, we look at like tutoring supports need to be put into place or like academically, how can we support students? We look at sense of belonging and connections and student orgs and all of that. But I mean, I guess from where I'm situated, like I just see so many students that their biggest barrier to staying enrolled in college and, you know, in graduating are things like rent Mm -hmm. and car and health bills and, you know, family situations and, um, child care for some of our students. And it's all of the things that I think historically, a lot of institutions of higher education have felt like, well, that's not our business. Mm-hmm. Even that's not our wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, we're seeing like, we just have to have these collaborative and holistic supports in place because that's what's going to get the students to stay and to walk for graduation one day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in order to keep higher education relevant, right, to the incoming students and to the coming generations, we have to be thinking about those things, right? We have to be thinking, how do we 
change what our model used to be to address the current needs of the current students that we have. Yeah. I really like the point about the, not just the needs, but the thinking about the needs, the extra burden that students, faculty, and staff who don't have these needs met carry with them that we may not see. Yeah, absolutely. There is a really good book. Um, I don't know if y'all have read it, but it's by Sia Versheldon and it's called Bandwidth Recovery, Helping Students Reclaim Cognitive Resources Lost to Poverty, Racism, and Social Marginalization. And the whole book is just about how, um, you know, the childhood that like so many of our students have experienced, like not having basic needs met, pre-college or during college can impact, you know, their, their life, their mental and their physical well-being and just how that can be the greatest determinant of, you know, having a successful college education or having to unfortunately stop out. Um, so it's a great book. Uh, it's like written from a public health perspective and I would recommend it. Yeah, that's cool. Resources that y'all mentioned will be plugged in, in our show notes. So make sure to check them out. And I'm just going to add something else. Amanda, you're great. You're just like sparking all these things for me. (laughs) When we're also talking about equity and thinking about students who do have to stop, right? Because of the things that are getting in the way and how that impacts them long-term, mm-hmm. right? Because they maybe have completed a semester, maybe they've completed two or three, maybe they're in their senior year and they have one semester left. And now potentially, depending on where they are in the socioeconomic status, they're leaving with loans that are larger mm-hmm. than what they might be able to pay without that degree. And so that's also something that we have to think about when we're thinking about our systems in place and our resources and how we're serving students equitably. Like if they don't complete this, what happens to them financially and how does that impact their family potentially for generations? Yeah. Ooh, that long-term thinking. Y'all are giving us (laughs) good things to think about in order to think about how we could potentially change some things. Uh, The next question I want to ask is how prevalent are these basic needs issues? And what are some of the trends you're seeing amongst faculty, staff, students that are accessing your resources? So we in the Care Center only serve students of Kent State. And since we've been open in April in 2021, we have served basically averaging 55 students a month who are coming to us for support and basic needs. Um, And as Word spreads about a student here, that number continues to increase. So that's kind of what we're seeing. And a lot of it is kind of foundational in financial empowerment and stable finances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've seen a real increase um, in the usage of our food pantry um, program here on campus over the last year. So we just actually in the fall semester, we saw about a 30% increase in usage among our pantry participants. We serve students, faculty, staff, and the community. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are usually pretty steady with serving about 40% students, 40% community members, and 20% faculty and staff. Um, I would say we've seen the biggest increase probably in um, faculty and staff and student areas and, you know, with inflation and just cost Mm -hmm. of living increasing, especially the cost of food. um, We've definitely seen 
many more new pantry users than we have in previous years. You know, on any given um, Friday, like we would kind of see familiar faces. And um, in the fall, it was just new faces every week. Mm -hmm. I think a lot more people who were kind of living on the edge have been pushed into deeper poverty situations where they have to access resources that they maybe didn't have to before. And I think institutionally, like I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, Kent State, which I'm proud of, has, you know, a mission to become an access institution in even greater ways. And the number of underrepresented first gen and high financial needs students that are being admitted to the university continues to grow each year as well. But that's definitely changing the demographic of you know, who we serve and we need to be responsive. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it's not just access, it's ensuring success when they're here. And so um, with the living learning community that we oversee as well, you know, I'm just I'm feeling that high need more and more as our population grows. Yeah, those are those are excellent points and um, perfectly leads into the to the next question surrounding resources. What are some of the resources that you all recommend people check out to learn more, you know, resources if if they're struggling with meeting their basic needs? Well, I think both Sydney and I can talk to like specific programs and services. Mm-hmm. I just want to you know, preface it by saying that what I've come to realize over the last few years and Sydney and I and others have had many conversations about this is like providing coordinated care and support Mm. because the need is so prevalent and we only have finite resources. Um, I think that like we're really figuring out institutionally how we can coordinate all that we have to offer um, and really um, package it and, you know, give it in a um, accessible and caring way to Mm -hmm. students. Um, I think we're we're getting there. (laughs) Um, We've come a long way. Yeah. And so. We do have several resources and we have a lot of resources on campus. And so just to start off with, we have some resources listed on our website and it breaks it down from mental health resources to financial empowerment resources, um, to housing resources, to food resources, and then some resources for regional campuses and some additional resources that might be tech related. Um, And so there are a lot of different opportunities within the community Um, that students sometimes don't know about. And so I would recommend they kind of go there. So if it's needing a hot meal or additional grocery resources, or we found out that there's a gluten-free pantry in Talmadge. Um, So we've had students come in and ask about gluten-free food in our pantry. And so we can kind of direct them there. Um, And then when we're thinking about just resources on campus, it's really removing the stigma of students asking about resources and sometimes being more proactive as faculty and staff and even peer-to-peer with students and and being a resource, right? So if you see someone who might need something, right, 
um, before they have to ask for help offering like, hey, just want to make sure you know these resources are here. So students can get connected with the care center. We have a basic needs referral form or basic needs assistance form. Um, and so they can fill that out and get connected with our case managers who provide some care coordination. So connecting students with resources they're eligible for through our office, um, connecting them with community partners and then connecting them with a lot of the campus partners, um, encouraging students to connect with if they're having issues with um, uh, tuition or textbooks or supplies for school, like connecting with their college, maybe there's funding there. Um, if they're having food insecurity or food security challenges. So like Flashes Fighting Hunger is an amazing pantry. And I always tell the students like, go there because they're going to have way more of the resources that you need. You can come to our pantry as well. Um, and then, you know, making sure that we just are aware of the resources so we can help and be present. And so when we do our presentation, I always tell the parents and families that are there from talking to students like, you might want to tune out because you don't need this, but I can guarantee based on national statistics, you will probably run into somebody on campus who does. Mm. And so I think the best way for us to care about people in our community is to also make ourselves knowledgeable mm. about what basic needs are, removing the stigma about talking about it and when you're experiencing it, kind of removing that shame, um, and then being aware of the resources that are on campus so we can guide people in that way. And then also as a university, like looking for where are gaps, right? How can we better support mm -hmm. students? Because we're doing really great work. So many places on campus doing really great work. But what can we do that will better enhance the overall student experience and their, their overall success? I heard you use the term like connect. I think that's what it's all about because when I'm serving a student, you know, I just feel so thankful that they were able to get connected. And I know that there's so many students that you know, we're losing and are feeling like this isn't for them because they haven't made the connection to the resources. Mm -hmm. Like the more that we all here at the institution, regardless of our role, can create culturally responsive networks of care and trust so that students can reach out and, you know, you can, they can be directed and supported. I feel like we do have so much going on. You know, every college has an academic diversity officer and, you know, we have a new um, equal opportunity center on campus. It's really hard to keep up on all that there is, but I feel like the more that we can kind of create these smaller communities, Mm -hmm. you know, the easier it'll be for students to get um, supported through those coordinated care models that we're working to develop. Definitely. That makes a lot of sense, right? Because you don't necessarily have to be the resource. You just need to know the resource and connect them into it. Before we close stuff out, are there any other things that you all would like to share? Something that we've kind of learned in the work that we've done over the past year and a half is just kind of checking our narrative of what someone might look like if they have mm. basic needs challenges. Um, because what we've seen is sometimes we connect with students who they're like, my parents can help me pay for tuition, but they can't help me pay for rent, right? And that's where I'm struggling. And so sometimes we have kind of an idea in our head of what, what that would look like, or we have an idea in our head of what would help someone 
but it's having that conversation. How can I best support you? This is some of the stuff I know. And, and yeah, just thinking more broadly about what basic needs, insecurities and challenges might look like. And so the Hope Center put out a few years ago that like one in three college students experiences some type of basic need insecurity. That's like one in three. And so you walk into a classroom, that's a, a good portion of that class. So just kind of opening our scope and opening kind of our narrative of, of what we might be thinking about and also encouraging, you know, people to kind of do that when we're having these types of conversations. Yeah. And that just shows like if you are a student or a faculty or staff member that is, you know, experiencing some sort of a basic need, you're not alone. And, you know, hopefully the stigma will continue to be removed. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Well, thank you all for coming on and sharing your knowledge and your expertise and uh, the resources. And thank you to everybody who listened into this episode. Um, If you're interested in learning more about either of our guests areas today, um, we'll link to their websites, but is there any social media or anything? We got social media. Tell us your social media stuff. (laughs) Uh, you can find us at, at Kent State CEL and at Flash is Fighting Hunger. You can connect with the Care Center on Instagram at Kent State Cares. Yeah. And if you want to connect with us here in DEI, uh, you can check out our website, kent.edu slash diversity. And if you got a topic you'd like us to discuss, feel free to email us at diversity at kent.edu or connect with us on social media at DEI Kent State across platforms. We'll see you next month with a new episode. Thank you all. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.